0: focused on things like great growth and great effectiveness Uh, when you read the book of Acts what you see in the early church is great effectiveness Uh, we see various personalities uh, that are dramatically affected by the Holy Ghost but if we're not careful we can fail to see that the reality of growth was not from some superstar ministry. Rather, it was from the church as a whole. It was a thing that was going on in the body of Christ that was not based on superstar personalities, not even on superstar decision-making. What it was based on was that everyone there was convicted, converted, and convinced. I want to talk tonight about something that really, really is a problem. Not everyone is convinced of their personal role and responsibility. If you want to know why things struggle, why there is this Pushing against the goads, as Jesus put it. It's because of this idea that deep down, people are not fully convinced. You know, it took me a long time to get where I am today. I gotta be honest. Um, It probably didn't have to take as long as it did. But it has truly taken me a long time. And one of the biggest obstacles that I had to overcome in my walk with God and in my walk in life was being convinced of my personal role, of my responsibility. I was the kind of person that did not take to that uh, easily. I was the kind of person who struggled with this idea that I had a personal role and responsibility. To my family, uh, to my uh, uh, significant others, to my friends, uh, all the way down the line. And when I got saved, that did not go away. When I got saved, I really enjoyed the fact that God had forgiven me. I really enjoyed being a part of the work of the Body of Christ. Maybe. uh, You know, I had been in such a dark place and I was so desperate that uh, uh, the church drew me in. But the truth is, when it came to actually providing a role, when it came to actually doing something for the body of Christ, that was a whole different ballgame. And my personal role and responsibility was something that I shirked off for many, many years. Most of you don't know that because you didn't know me when I got saved. But the truth is that when I came in and I got saved, I came to church, I sang, I tithed, and I went home. And that was my life for many, many years. And I wanna tell you, I toiled in mediocrity. And I toiled through struggles And if it wasn't for people reaching out to me and helping me, if it wasn't for people uh, going out of their way, always preaching, always. I'm not talking about just preachers. I'm talking about people from the mother church who would just preach to me the word of God as I would share my problems or I would share my struggles or they'd see me smoking a cigarette or whatever the case may be. They would preach to me deliverance. They would preach to me strength. They would preach to me the power of Jesus Christ. But like I said, not everyone is convinced of this. Or they are convinced of their role and their responsibility, but they're not convinced in the reality of their effectiveness. That's the second thing I see the most. You know, the gospel needs witnesses wherever it goes. And I want to read a simple scripture and read a few more. I'm going to start with Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, Therefore, those who scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says these words Luke gives an account of Jesus' last instructions to his disciples before his ascension. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. A few words later he says, you shall be my witnesses to the end of the earth. See, the evidence in the word of God says that every Christian has a role He was speaking to all of them there in that scripture. All of the faithful. And I want to just tell you tonight that you may have been underplaying your role as a witness, but you should have never done that. You may have been underplaying your role as a testimony for Christ, but you should never have done that. Because though you may be discouraged at times, the greatest blessing you will ever see in your entire life is to see souls saved. I'm not gonna go into details about individuals' lives, but the lives that have been changed because of me are things that I hold near and dear to my heart. Matter of fact, there's nothing, nothing that anyone can take from me that is more valuable than those souls. I mean ones that I directly was responsible for in some manner. That I took responsibility for. People that I prayed for, prayed with. People that I worked with. People that I labored with. People that I know are going to make heaven their home. You know, I think of Zula and Bonnie Mullins, especially Zula because I was her pastor for a short period of time. And I would go to her house and I would sit there and I would talk to her and I would pray with her and I would tell her what was going on in the church. And I know that God was looking down at me because I could feel his presence when I prayed with her. And I know that God was helping my ministry by just being a part of her life. But I also know that I took personal responsibility for her well-being, and I took personal responsibility for the fact that she needed to have, you know, things. The ministry needed to be to be something that that I. Uh, was able to uh, give and deliver to her when she was bedridden, especially and um, it's important that you always remember that God works and moves through human agencies so does the devil but God is more powerful than the devil ever could be I want to consider some things, some issues, dealing with the testifying for Jesus, dealing with being a witness, dealing with personal evangelism. First of all, if you want to make a change that's positive in your life, become an everywhere preacher. Do it everywhere. Don't just do it where it's convenient. Don't just do it in certain places. Don't limit yourself from God because you may be ultimately taking away your joy. You may be stealing from yourself because of timidity. See, Christ is central in your life as a believer. You may not realize that because it's humility. You may not realize that like the apostles sometimes didn't realize that when they were having big arguments. You know, there's these scenes in the Bible where they're having a big argument, and then Jesus shows up. And he knows what they're talking about. And all of a sudden, they're humbled and they're embarrassed and they're worried. Sometimes you get scared and you can sense it. I would be scared if Jesus said certain things to me that he said to the apostles. I don't know about you, but if you read the Word of God and you actually brought it to life for yourself, it's very, very scary. Just this afternoon, I was listening to the Word of God. You know, I, I have a few guys that I like the way that they read the Word of God, and I listen to them. And I was reading about the story of Jehu, and as I was reading it, I began to shudder. Because Jehu was exacting God's revenge on certain people who were doing wrong, He was the sword for God. He's the one, if you don't remember, who sat there and Jezebel taunts him from from her little balcony and he looks at all the eunuchs and he says, is there anyone who's on my side? And then they peek out the window of the the Like, And he says, throw her over. Throw her over the side. And you can't read a story like that and not understand that, you know, there are things, horrible things that are happening in the world. Horrible things. And you could be one of those people who's standing by and just watching them happen. And the most chilling thing about that scripture, as I think about it now, Listening to it was the end says, but Jehu he didn't do everything that God said. You know, he did some of the things that God said. But he didn't do everything that God said. And then it says he participated in some of the some of the 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 evil worship of another king. You know, it's interesting because your life must be Christ-centered. It's not just a cliché. I'm not trying to use that as an excuse to downplay the need of us gathering together. We need to do a better job of gathering together. But I can tell you something. The truth is that Jesus saves people that he's what people need. A personal relationship with him is not something that should be optional to you. It's not optional for others. You know, you might have a friend who's a Muslim. You might have a friend who's Hindu. In the city of Phoenix, there are a lot of diverse cultures. You may have a friend who has just parents who are just, you know, religious. You might have a friend who's an atheist. And I want to tell you something. His life still relies on Jesus. And all of his other issues, they mean nothing. It's the result and flow of his life through Christ that matters. Does Jesus flow down to him? That's the question you have to ask yourself when you meet people. Because it affects who you are. It's the purpose of all we do, to bring souls to Jesus Christ. To make Him real to people. I'm going to read some scriptures in a few moments that that are profound because Paul, he does this unbelievable job of making Jesus real to people who have nothing to do with Jesus. And I'm hoping tonight it'll help us not have any excuses. Because I want to tell you something. In my personal opinion, I never knew compassion until I understood that people were dying and that they weren't going to make heaven their home. They were going to make hell their home if they didn't know Jesus. That's where my compassion started. You know, it involves... Declaring and demonstrating that. You know, not just doing it in church, but doing it everywhere. Demonstrating it in all aspects of your life. There are things in the Bible that are truly compelling. You know, compassion is not just the reality of caring. Compassion is the love of Christ in action. Jesus' attitude of compassion when he dealt with people, whether masses of people or just one person, goes out. You know, a lot of people think they're compassionate because they get pulled into the emotional state and the intensity of other people's problems. Yet, they have no ability to touch them them with the power of Jesus they're indifferent to that they're distant from that you know someone is sitting there and they're dying and know that and you as a disciple you're supposed to be able to go over there and introduce Jesus to them so that they can make a choice I know it's discouraging at times I know it's awkward too most of my life I was six foot three, 160 pounds. I know, awkward. The gangly kid. We walked around life having no idea what to do. You know, one of the things that's amazing in the Bible is, is it's so true, it's so it's so real. And it's also so honest. The disciples, for instance, most of the time in the Bible, people were a problem to them. Did you ever notice that? They were an irritation to them. Sometimes they were an inconvenience. They, they said more than four times in the Bible, send them away. You know. Jesus, he was different though. He had sensitivity and wisdom. You know, the woman at the well, for instance, is a great example of Jesus just having that sensitivity and that wisdom, all wrapped up. He didn't get involved in all of her problems. He didn't have a problem relating to this woman. He sought her, and he gave her answers. You know, he knew what her problem was. He knew that her problem was sin, so he dealt with it. And though he didn't condone it, he didn't rail against her either or condemn her. See... Love is something that considers the other people around us. It's not reactionary when challenged or criticized. You know, a lot of people they don't have they don't outreach, they don't witness to people because you know they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be criticized. fact is, not all people will receive the gospel. And that is a huge understatement. Truth is, most will not receive the gospel. Certainly not the first time. You know, the truth is, in my life, the pastors and the people who dealt with me in this church, they had no idea how long God had been dealing with me. They had no idea How many people have been praying for me? They had no idea all the things I had run away from. So how you react to that that shows a great deal about you. Remember, you're a witness. And your witness goes on long after you're gone from that person's life. You know, I can tell you, I had a guy named Scott that is still a huge influence in my life. The first person ever to witness to me about the blood of Jesus and the love of Jesus and being born again. And I remember him like it was yesterday. How you react is a great deal. Jesus, when he's taken into the garden, think about his reaction compared to Peter's. Peter cuts the guy's ear off. They're rejecting the gospel. Remember, Peter cuts his ear off. Right? Others slink away. Right? Jesus stands up deals with the sin of someone he loves, and then heals heals them. Think about that. The question I have for you is, who are you defending when your witness is resisted or rejected? Who are you defending tonight when you let timidity destroy your convictions? or when you let anger and frustration stop you from the cause, or when you rely on your talents and say, well, that's not for me, I don't do that. Who are you defending? We're not here to defend ourselves, we're here to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Conviction, personal conviction, This is what the gospel is all about. This is what salvation is all about. And to be honest with you, this is what God and eternity are all about. Because it will lie under conviction. Imagine if God were to say, you know what? I know you prayed that prayer for Jesus. But I don't believe you. You're standing there. At the gates of eternity in Jesus. And he just says, you know what? I don't believe you. And you say, no, you got to believe me. I prayed that prayer. I meant it. And he just flashes before you all the opportunities. Where you didn't stand up for Jesus. All the times in your life where you just, you just let it go. And he shows you their souls burning in hell. And you said not a word. Is that conviction? That's not conviction. You know, a lot of people, the difficulty that they have is that they're not in the word of God. And they've lost the fire. They've lost the touch of God. They think it's inside of them somehow. And it's not. It's poured over their lives through God's word and through his love. See, when you love something, you, hey, I'll tell you right now, my brother is not going to miss the Yankee game. When he goes to heaven and God says, do you love the Yankees? He's not going to question if Jimmy is telling the truth. He's going to see all the You know, the problem with most of us is that we can't convince others of what we're not convinced of ourselves. You've got a problem with something in the Word of God. You better start working on convincing yourself. What is it tonight that's stopping you from grabbing? God. We're going to stand and make an account for our lives. You know, people that uh, brought people to Jesus. You know what he was? He was a guy who lived a life for a long, long time and was trying to justify it. he was convinced not because he knew Jesus he was convinced because he knew himself he was honest to God about himself and I think God blessed him for that the truth is that another conviction that needs to be brought to bear on others involves the dimension of confrontation conflict and controversy and this is something that you got to deal with tonight. It is controversial to be a Christian. It will cause conflict to be a Christian. I can tell you that. Sexual immorality and fornication is something that is being pushed on our society every single day. Did you know that if you go into Wells Fargo today, they're going to tell you that you better have pride about other people's sexuality? Did you know that? So you better start building some conviction inside of you that deals with personal sin. God's standard versus the contemptuous and despicable worldly standards. If you neglect everything because of timidity or your desire to be accepted, you will short-circuit the Holy Ghost. And I want to be very specific about this. Many of you you have to understand that this, the 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 Holy Ghost needs to be catered to. You know what I do with the Holy Ghost? I'll be perfectly honest with you. I go right back to when I was a waiter, and I treat the Holy Ghost just like it's a guy who has the biggest tip in the whole entire restaurant. When he walks in to my house, I'm like, "Oh, come over here. Let me tell you. I got a table for you, sir. Don't worry. Here you go." It's right here. What do you need? Oh, well, last time I came, the cook said that I couldn't get my uh, hamburger rare. You can, Oh, you can today. I'll tell you right now. You can get it today. But most of us, we're doing things that are short-circuiting. the See, one of the things that I do want to emphasize, though, here is that have to be convicted of their sin before they can repent. Well, we want them to repent. Confrontation doesn't argue. You know, many of you may have noticed, I don't argue a lot. I used to. I used to like to argue, almost. But one of the biggest things that I've had to change in my life is that confrontation doesn't argue. Confrontation just confronts and walks on by. See, again, the woman at the well, Jesus didn't neglect her sin or her lifestyle. What he did was he confronted it and he caused her to deal with it. Very, very succinctly See, this is where you have to grow in your ability to communicate. You know how you communicate? By knowing words. The Bible's full of words. I don't know if you noticed. Maybe you thought it was going to be a good picture book. It's not. And the funny thing is, most of the people in the Bible, they're not great speakers. They're not great communicators. We can have difficulty expressing ourselves. And so I'm not here to teach you techniques or methods. You can go to the big Baptist church if you want to do that. I'm here to teach you how to be relevant. And I'm not talking about the relevant church. I'm talking about being relevant by doing more than just having religious rhetoric. I want you to get your rap down. Get your rap down. Consider the audience. And seek to relate to them. Paul, he became all things to all men. Don't think it meant he played the part. I don't think that's what it... I don't think that that's what he tried to do. Remember I missing. You're alone, you're going to stay in your seats. What I'm trying to say is tonight, if we're going to be everything, preachers, everywhere preachers, you know, you don't deal with old people about drugs. You don't talk to teens concerning their marriages or their mortgage, at least most of them. You explore for what they're searching for. I want to close with this scripture. Tonight. Then Paul stood up before the uh, uh, Areopagus And said. Men of Athens. I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and examined your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship as something unknown, I now proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands. Nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men to inhabit the whole world, and he determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. God intended that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have even said, we are his offspring. Therefore, being offspring of God, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by man's skill and imagination. Although God overlooked the ignorance of earlier times, he now commands all men everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men, by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to mock him, but others said, we want to hear you again on this topic. At that, Paul left Areopagus, but some people joined him and believed, including Dionysus the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others who were with them. profound that if you were just able to learn to memorize this scripture and stand in a public forum and preach it with conviction you would see souls saved because the Holy Spirit works that way to many people God is an unknown God but one they have experience. For so many people, what's in their heart is a hole that needs to be filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For so many people, what they need to know is that one day they'll stand before him and that he sent Jesus for a reason. And the reason is them. There's so many who need to know that. Preach everywhere, and God will be everywhere in your life. It's my simple message tonight. I thank every head bowed and every eye closed. We serve a good God. We love you tonight. and We don't need uh, anything other than conviction tonight. Believe God with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to give you an opportunity very quickly. Are you right with him? If there's sin that's hidden in your life and you need to repent, my message to you is that that's why Jesus was sent. He died for your sins and he he wants you to repent right now. God did overlook. It does. But he also commands us all to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And you must do that tonight to be right with him. That's what the Bible says. That's what it preaches. If you're in this place, you want to be right with Jesus. I want you to raise your hand from left to right. Don't play religious games tonight. Praise God. You're back You need to be right. Praise God. All right, I want to talk to saints then. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to talk to saints. Some of you, maybe you aren't saints tonight. Maybe you're not right. If that's you, you need to come forward. It's never too late. But if you are saints tonight, I want to tell you that maybe tonight's message is a simple one. You need to just change your act. You need to start bringing Jesus to places that he's not. If that's the case, I want to tell you God loves you and he knows what you're dealing with. And I want to tell you he's not giving you that conviction to make you feel bad. He's giving you that conviction so that you can touch souls and be a human agent of Jesus Christ and you can be an ambassador. He's doing that because there's people in your life that you can help. There's people that you don't even know tonight that are relying on a, on a witness. If you're in this place, saints, then you need to deal with this. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you've been witnessing and, and God is encouraging you tonight. Thank you for that. Come to these altars. I'd like us all to stand. We're going to play a song. These altars are open. Listen, let's all stand. Let's honor God in this place. Let's be respectful tonight as we close in this... Service. God understands your situation. You can pray tonight. Pray in your seat if you'd like. As we sing this song, let's believe God. My spirit. Here. Let's encourage ourselves here and let's get a hold of Jesus in these days, these last days. I truly believe with all my
1: heart.